How y'all doing? All right, right here is one of the most greatest guys I've ever known. And I'm lucky enough to call him my father. And he's going to share with you tonight. Uh, I just want you to pay attention. Maybe it'll touch your heart. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for this amazing day you have given us. Thank you for letting us go out and hike through the mountains and enjoy your beautiful creation. Lord, I just please pray that you speak through my dad tonight and that we all take it to heart and apply it to our daily lives. Lord, most of all, I thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for our sins. It's in his name I pray. Amen. Amen. For 38 years, he depended on others for help. For 38 years, he couldn't walk, but had to be carried. For 38 years, he couldn't work, but he had to eat. For 38 years, he couldn't bathe, but he needed to be cleaned. For 38 years, he had to depend on the mercy and compassion of the world in which he lived in in order to survive. I want you to think about that for just a moment. Because in the lives that we live, in the world in which we live in, there is not many days that go by that we don't see someone who is dependent upon the mercy and the grace of the world in which they live in in order to survive. Granted, some of them are there by choice. Others of them are there because of life circumstances demand it. What if that's you? In the world that you live in, are you ready to be dependent on the mercy and the compassion of of this world to survive? How many of us see the man flying the sign and hope he doesn't make eye contact with us? How often do we pass up the opportunity to extend mercy and grace for whatever reason. My message tonight is not about going and helping every person find a sign on the street corner. But I want you to think about how often we fail to make effort to offer mercy and compassion and then recognize that it's that mercy and compassion or lack thereof that this man for 38 years depended upon. For 38 years, he was alone. For 38 years, he was made fun of. For 38 years, he was likely cursed. For 38 years, he was pitied. For 38 years, he probably was even spit upon, rejected, and ignored. In 38 years, he came to accept this new sense of normal. And he made his bed next to a pool in order to become comfortable in this new normal. Very likely, with no hope, of ever being whole or complete again. 
38 years, he lived hopeless, broken, alone. And in 38 years, he became a prisoner of his affliction, bound with no hope of freedom. If you've got a Bible, I invite you to open to John chapter 5. In John chapter 5, we read about this man. Beginning in verse 2, Now there was in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. I want to pause for just a moment here because in some versions of the Bible there is a verse 4 and in some versions of the Bible it skips to verse 5. There's not a lot of significance necessarily in verse 4. So if it's not in your Bible, it's not that you're missing Scripture per se. But verse 4 gives a little context to the purpose or the reason this man and a multitude of others, it says, gathered at this pool. These invalids, these lame cannot walk. These blind cannot see. These paralyzed cannot function in some form or fashion. Come to this place because they believe that an angel of the Lord comes to stir the waters. And the first one into the waters after the waters are stirred will receive healing, will be made whole, complete again. I don't know if that's real. I don't know if that really happens. But what I know is that these people came here because they believed that at this pool, the Spirit of God would work. That's why they're there. That's why He's there. But as we continue, we're about to find something out about this man that's kind of different than many of the others that are there. Once, sorry, verse 5, one man was there who had been invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I am going, another one steps in before me. And Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took his bed and walked. There's more to this story, but we're going to stop here tonight, and we're going to unpack just that little section of this passage Probably because for a long time I've missed the beauty of what takes place in that section that we've just read in this passage. I've missed it because all I've ever seen here is a a man that for 38 years has been crippled and a Jesus who doesn't fit fit the picture of the Jesus that I believe in and love come to him and say, do you want to be healed? That does not seem at first read like a Jesus of compassion. 
Because this man, for 38 years, has been ridiculed and spit on and alone and dependent upon a merciless, is that right? World. A compassionless world. And so, in his eyes, if we read the rest of the story, we know he does not know who Jesus is. So, in his eyes, this is just another compassionless person making fun, mocking. Don't you want to be healed? At least that's the way I first took it. And so, I had trouble rectifying the Jesus I love of compassion and mercy with what seems like, at least to me at first read, a Jesus that's not not showing a lot of compassion right off the bat. And really, up until about 20 minutes ago, I really thought this man's response was kind of just a whatever kind of a deal. But as I've mulled over this for weeks now, even in the last 20 minutes, God has revealed to me some beauty in this passage that I've not noticed before. Jesus asks what is a simple yes or no question, correct? Do you want to be healed? His response is neither yes nor no, nor maybe. So what is it? It's a response that tells us that for 38 years, for some portion of that 38 years, He did desire something more. He did desire to be complete. He did desire, but at some point, He quit. He gave up. And He accepted this affliction becoming a prisoner to it. Why had He accepted it? Because no matter how hard he tried, he always lost getting into the pool. Would that have made him well? I don't know. It doesn't matter. What we know is he accepted something less than complete. Jesus says, Get up. Take up your mat and walk. For 38 years, he had given up. And Jesus comes and he asks him a question. And in just a few moments, with just one question, one exclamation, and one command, this man's life is changed and his hope is restored. I want you to note a couple of things that I find powerful in Jesus' question, exclamation, and command. First, His question was, do you want to be healed? I've told you that I believe that in the 38 years that He was afflicted, He had become acceptable. And even had or accepting of His affliction. Bound. A prisoner to it even. And in that, acceptance. He had even made effort to make it comfortable by making his bed, right? I mean, what's a bed for after all? To bring a little bit of comfort. 
I suppose the bed that you have at home might be a little bit more comfortable than the one here, but isn't the mattress here better than the floor you slept on or the ground you slept on last night, girls? Yes. You make a bed. Why? To make it a little bit more tolerable. A little bit more comfortable. A little bit more okay for yourself. When Jesus says to him, do you want to be healed? You know what I learned about that word heal? That it's the same word as free. Maybe that doesn't mean much to you. But by the end of the night, I hope it will. So Jesus' question is, do you want to be free? He's talking about a physical affliction. So the word is heal. But before the end of the night, we're not going to be talking about physical anymore. And so the word is free. And then he says, get up, take up your bed. That bed is that thing that represents comfort that I have found in this place that is less than complete. And Jesus command to take up that bed is the same as if Jesus had said remove that bed. Jesus didn't want him to take it home and make it somewhere else. He wanted him to remove that comfort in this sub or mediocre subpar or mediocre life and remove it, get rid of that because comfortable that's not good enough. Remove it. Get rid of it. And then the final piece is, he said, walk. The word for this man, I know because his feet didn't work, was put one foot in front of the other to walk, right? But do you know that that's the exact same word for live? So again, when we move from the physical, this, this man's affliction, physical affliction, when we move from that and we begin to talk about us, he's not talking about putting one foot in front of the other. He's talking about living. I want to add or share with you from 1 John chapter 2. The guy who writes the Gospel of John that we're looking at right now, that retells this encounter of Jesus Christ about a man who Jesus says, take up your mat and walk. John writes using the same words in 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, whoever says he abides or lives in him, who? Jesus, ought to walk or live the same way in which he walked or lived. If you say you live in Jesus, you better live like Jesus, is what John just said. So go back to our friend who became comfortable in a less than complete life, who encountered a man that he knew nothing about, who said, Do you want to be free? Remove your bed and live. For 38 years, he lived alone, broken, 
prisoner in his affliction. For 38 years, I've grown up hearing the gospel story. For 38 years, or for the better part, for 38 years, I've proclaimed to be a follower of Jesus Christ. For 38, or the better part of 38 years, I have had the privilege of sharing the gospel story with people in this place, in Brownwood, in Fort Worth, in Mexico, in a multitude of places there, in the Philippines, and countless other places. And for 38 years, I have wrestled and fought to live life in the light of Jesus Christ. At times, like this man, I have to be honest and admit that I've made my bed in sin and become and allow it to become normal, the new normal or the new acceptable or the new okay in my life, saying, I don't have to be complete. This will be good enough. But praise be to God that in those dark times, Jesus Christ sought me out and with a question and with an exclamation and with a command, He moved me back into forgiveness and grace and relationship with Him. This is the part that's going to get hard for me to share and for you to hear. Because like those people, those paralyzed, those lame, the blind, the invalid, that showed up at the pool of Bethesda, the place where they knew the Spirit of God might, or where they believed that the Spirit of God might work on their behalf, you've shown up at Camp Blue Haven. A place where you know the Spirit of God is present and will work. But you've come here with a less than complete life. Maybe you have made your bed, making it comfortable to remain in a life of sin, accepting something less than complete, than whole, than holy. Maybe you've allowed deceit to become your place of comfort, to be acceptable in your life, and to keep you from being complete. Maybe you've allowed lust to become that thing that, that, that you are imprisoned by, and you've made your bed there, and you said, you know what, this will be good enough. Maybe you've become imprisoned by a false perception of who you're supposed to be. You've bought into the lies of the world that say you're supposed to be look like this. And you're chasing that. Maybe you've allowed yourself to be less than fully committed to Christ because there's other things that you value other activities that you value greater than your relationship with Him. 
There are, I'm guessing, almost 300 people sitting in this room. And I don't exclude anybody that's an adult from this message. Because guys, I'm here to tell you that as I processed this, I wanted to beat Michael up for giving me this topic. Because my toes got crushed. My heart got broken. And the reality of who I am and who I am not sank in. And I recognized that just like too many of us, I stand in constant need of answering the question, do I want to be free? No longer can we be, can we be a people who seek to make whatever sin we're wrestling with comfortable and acceptable in our life, but rather we need to hear Jesus say, do you want to be free? Then remove the bed and live in Me. Because guys, when we allow sin, whatever it is, to be acceptable, our world goes dark. And it's not pretty. And Jesus stands pleading. Do you want to be healed? You came here. Because you know that in this place, the Spirit can work. It's not bound to this place only. But you chose to give this week God, to see what He will do in your life. And I'm here to tell you that through your counselors, through your teachers, through the staff, and yes, even through your fellow campers, Jesus has come and He is offering you this week a question, an exclamation, and a command, and you can be free. Do you want to be free? Remove the bed and live. Do you want to be free? Remove the bed and live. Live in Him. Father, tonight, you know, I have wrestled in prayer with you all day long. And I have begged and I have pleaded that tonight I would be simply your megaphone of truth. And I don't know if I succeeded. But I pray that tonight, that in the hearts of these listeners, that you have moved. And that You have drawn us all to a place where we recognize that whether it's 10 years or 38 years or 58 years, that we can no longer live in something less than complete. That Jesus begs with us to desire to be free. To be free from sin that 
invades our life and pulls us into the darkness and separates us from You. And Father, when we're ready to say yes, we're ready to be free from the prison of sin and darkness, when we're ready to be free from lust, when we're ready to be free from deceit, when we're ready to be free from malicious talk and from unwholesome talk and for, from greed and from all of the sin and darkness of this world, that we will hear the command to remove the bed that we've made to become comfortable and to get up and live in You. Father, it feels like there's only been two minutes that have passed as I've stood before these folks. But I pray that in whatever time it's been, Your truth has penetrated to the heart. And that each one of us has laid hold of that which we know is darkness in our life and we will turn it over and allow Jesus Christ to free us from it. Be with us tonight, tomorrow, the next day, and beyond. May the voice of our counselors, of our teachers, of our staff, and our fellow campers be the voice of Jesus beckoning us to desire to be free and calling us to remove contentment and comfortable, acceptable sin and live completely, wholly for You. We're here because we know You're here. We trust in You because we know no one else that we can count on. And we praise You because even when we're in the dark, You're willing to send Your Son to bring us into the light. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.